Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy Tuesday, and welcome back to the Welcome to Asgard podcast, episode 444, where tonight, uh, firstly, uh, some not really so much breaking news as this did break earlier today. However, just like many articles, it seems, coming from Deadline, it usually takes a little bit longer for them to come into my feed for some reason. However, we now have some new updated estimates for what Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is going to be making, and let's just say it fits very well in with the theme of tonight's show, where we're going to be looking at the Disney box office catastrophe, is ultimately what it is. Shout out, by the way, I want to get started off by giving a huge shout out to Valiant Renegade, who did a great video that has been making all the rounds through various media sites, I know The Blaze picked them up. I think that Breitbart was kind of the first big news media organization that picked uh, that picked up his video and picked up his story. But now you've gotten the likes of The Blaze picking this up. He's gotten interviews from local radio stations, a plethora of, of, of people with eyes on it, and I think well over 100,000 views on that video that just went up about four days ago talking about how, according to his estimates and according to his calculations, Disney has lost roughly $900 million just over the past year alone on on box office and so uh with with that being this uh, being the case and and with him doing so well again i wanted to give a huge shout out to him for doing amazing work continuing to do amazing work and uh means i have to step up my game a little bit and i've got a very 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 small uh thing that i was able to create pr prior to the stream that that i think will will let you know just how serious i am as far as talking about the box office but yes we're going to talk about indiana jones dial of destiny right now projected to have a pretty abysmal opening weekend both domestically and internationally and if the numbers hold if you follow me on social media you would have already seen this post but if the numbers that we have if the projections and these are just projections so it can make a lot more. It could also make a lot less than what's being expected. But if it holds and if it acts as a typical standard release, then this movie will have a struggle to get past $400 million at the box office. So it's going to be, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it, it's going to be really bad. It's going to be really, really bad because even if it does slightly better than what the projections are saying, you're still looking at a movie that has to make so much money if it has any hope of breaking even whatsoever. And when you add on to this the fact that pretty much every single major release coming out of Disney, with the one exception being the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 movie, they've got no bright spots. They've got no real profitable movies whatsoever. And all of the films that have lost money have lost big have lost quite a bit of money. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about also what my figures, as far as the actual releases that we have gotten so far, uh, come out to be as far as losses. My numbers and the numbers that I use, the calculations that I use, do not get upwards of $900 million. I have not watched the entirety of Valiant's video, though, and so I cannot say for sure whether he's just using the box office releases, whether he is using other releases from Disney Plus or anything like that. I am not entirely sure, but I have a, a chart because, as you all know, I love playing around with charts here on OMB reviews, and we'll probably do certain things live and updated in real time. But yeah, boy, oh boy, things are continuing to get worse and worse for Disney, but also Warner Brothers. I wanted to bring Warner Brothers into the discussion because whereas Disney has been losing tons and tons of money up front on all of its movies, 
Warner Brothers has been losing quite a bit and could end up losing the most if the numbers, according to many different sources and people who claim inside information, etc., if the rumors on how much the budget for The Flash is true, you might actually end up having one of the biggest box office bombs of this year from that studio alone, which would be quite a, a hefty toll. But the big problem for Warner Brothers is that they've got several big budget films that are still yet to come out. So whereas Disney has a lot of front-loaded content, a lot of movies that came out, a lot of movies that lost a lot of money, Warner Brothers has had movies that have lost money, but not to the same degree, not to the same level, because even though they do spend quite a bit, they don't spend nearly as much consistently as Disney does, and they've also got a ton of films left down the pipe. Now, personally, based on what we're seeing right now, I would not be surprised if Disney ends up being the biggest box office loser for this year, just like they have been in subsequent and previous years. I should say, and it's going to be interesting and fun to follow these numbers. So let's go ahead and dive into the chat before going any further, though. Please make sure to smash that like button, not that fire button, Ozzy, and smash the rumble button as well. We're also live on kick for anyone who happens to enjoy that platform. As no one is really following me over there yet, I am not going to have that chat up and running, but hey, just so that you know, it is available nonetheless. All right, let's go ahead and say hello to people. We got Killy Chow in the chat. What is going on, Keely? Keely Chow says, How are you, uh, Baby Thor Freya, doing? Also, how is Freya's family reunion in St. Louis? The family reunion went well. Uh, it's a bit of a drive with with a baby, right? with, uh, with a toddler, I should say. And so that... You know, the drive there was worse than the drive back. Drive back actually ended up being a pretty a pretty solid one, to say the least. But it was a lot of fun, good time spending with family, a lot of really good food. We do cornhole as uh, we do a cornhole tournament with her family every single year, and that's, that's a lot of fun. I had a really solid partner actually this year, but unfortunately, second round, we ended up going against probably, well, one, they ended up winning the tournament quite easily. So the fact that we actually put up quite a fight against them, I think had we done multiple matches, we probably could have won at least one of them if we did a best of three. They may have still come out winning in the end because, as I argued, we had consistency, whereas they had skill. And in Cornhole, you kind of need a little bit of, of both. But anyway, it was it was fun. Thank you for checking in. Orange Eye Reviews, who is my king mod on the channel. Shout out to Orange Eye Reviews. Make sure that you follow his instructions. I do fall about 20 to 30 minutes behind in the live chat. So if you're wondering why I'm not reading your comments or reacting to your comments, it's because I haven't gotten it to. I have not gotten to it yet. So please make sure to be patient. Also, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, at Odin. It lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. It helps me be able to decipher out whether you're trying just to talk in general or whether you're talking to somebody else in the chat. It just, it helps me. So help me help you. It highlights your name orange for me, and that's how I know you're trying to actually get my attention. So again, at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. Also, please do not spam... And this goes in two contexts. One, do not spam in the general sense. You don't have to post your comment several times over. As long as you've tagged me once, you're good. But also, be courteous to others. If you are someone that tends to spam my name a lot in the fact even though you're asking different questions, you're asking a thousand questions every single stream, and it doesn't give as much time to be spent on other people's questions or comments that they might have, again, just know thyself. Maybe lay up on it just a little bit, and I would appreciate it. Um, also, if you could try to stay on, on on task and on point, it'd be great as well. Again, I always say that, but it never ends up happening. But that's fine. That's why I love my Asgardian community, because we roll with the punches, as it were. Mike Jackson, what is going on? Hail to you. 
Uh, Orange Review says, RIP to Julian Sands. Prayers to his family. May they find closure in this tragedy. Yeah, I was looking that up prior to the stream because I saw you had posted that. I honestly, uh, to be perfectly honest, don't really know him all that well. Um, again, this is something that many people, if you know about me, is there's a lot of movies and there's a lot of uh, you know, parts of pop culture that I don't have as much knowledge in, especially when it comes to, to 80s films, as, as Rosetta always likes to make fun of. Uh, but I was looking at his, his, his filmography. I've actually never seen A Room with a View, so that would explain it. I have seen Arachnophobia. I don't remember what his role in Arachnophobia was. Um, I have seen Ocean's 13. I don't remember what his role was in that. The only, the only thing that he's done that I have some vague memory of is his portrayal of Jorel in Smallville. Um, and again, uh, obviously, even if I don't know who he is, even if I, if I don't have a good idea of who he is, it's obviously something, uh, that's always sad to, to hear, especially him dying at the age of, it says here, 65. So definitely going to, uh, to pray for him. And uh, going to pray for for his family says that they went that he went missing while hiking and the remains were discovered in the area that he had been visiting. And I don't know the full details of it, but obviously it's always sad to hear when someone has passed. And so may he rest in peace. May perpetual light shine upon him. Ikthulu, what is going on? Welcome back to the chat. We got J.S. Pena hanging out. What's going on, J.S. Pena? Thank you very much for for being here. We also have got Father Miller. Hail to you, Father, chaplain of the channel. Yo, ho, ho, only can stay for a minute as I have dinner with the parents and a few. Indeed, indeed, I saw your message earlier. Miss Minnesota hockey fan, how about a hockey player? What's going on? General Wingster, an old man Gary voice. My glasses, I can't see you without my glasses. Where did I drop them? I can't help you, General Wingster. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it, Captain. I don't have the power. Kimberly G, howdy, Odin, mods, and chat. What's going on, Kimberly G? Always glad to have you here. Great Wuda in the chat. What's up, Kitty Chow? I'm not going to risk my face melting in the movie theater. I get that reference. Dan Blackroyd, what is going on? Hail to you. Dan Blackroyd throws some shade, it seems. Valiant makes up numbers. Okay, hold on, hold on. Look, now, Dan Blackroyd, you all know I'm, I'm very much... Someone who is confident in the numbers that I use and the methodology that I've used. I've, I've spent years trying to articulate it and years trying to develop it. And I also recognize that it is not perfect, right? I am not the harbinger of all things that are true when it comes to box office because, and this is one of the reasons why I don't include many of the things that someone like Valiant might, uh, might include into his metrics. It's because to me, when you start to add in all these other different factors that sometimes people do, it opens up such a rabbit hole of, okay, if you're going to count all of these, you know, credits, or rather if you're going to call, if you're going to count all of these, uh, you know, all of these different costs, right? If you're going to account for higher marketing budget or a reported higher marketing budget, but then you're also going to ignore possible tax credits, possible deals with other studios or with other companies in your marketing blitz campaign where, yes, it might sound like you're spending a lot of money up front, but if you are both mutually getting something out of it in the end, again, what does that actually look like? What does that actually equate to? I don't really fall into those. I, I really kind of try to, uh, try to stay as far away from that stuff as as much as I possibly can. Um, but I'm not going to say that he he makes up numbers because all the numbers that he uses are numbers that are being reported. And I think still to this day, one of the best things that he's ever done is he's gone through tax records. He's gone through the tax records coming out of places like AMC and has shown, okay, here's what they have reported, what they got in return 
on box office sales, and he was able to really have a good, I think a very solid argument about how post um, COVID, you now have different deals existing between theaters and studios and how that could have an impact. Now, again, personally, I don't think it's as big of an impact to make much of a difference. I think that there's still a lot of other factors that ultimately would cancel things out. But again, those are just differences in methodology, but I'm never going to say that the dude's making up numbers because again, he's, he's making, uh, he's making good content and, and overall I, I respect him quite a bit. So I don't, I don't like that kind of, uh, that kind of wording for, for people that people that I really like that I actually respect. So anyway, uh, father Christopher Miller, who is a member says, I just would like to know if you know it, a plethora is, I would not like to think that a person would tell someone he has a plethora. <laughs> Why, oh guapo. <laughs> General Wingster, Odin has some not safe for work pictures of charts. Yes, yes, indeed. You all know those charts drive people crazy. Uh, Graft, uh, Graft Tanker 98, welcome back. Orange Chat says, Warner Brothers has a serious image problem because people perceive them as pro-domestic crime due to their support of Amber Heard and Ezra Miller. Uh, Orange Chat, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, to be perfectly honest, because here's the thing, and this is something that it's sometimes hard for us in our communities to to always accept. I would say the vast majority of people going to see movies do not know about all of that drama. And if they do, all they know, and this is the reason why you look at Deadline, for instance, and how they word their articles, how have they worded every single time they've mentioned Ezra Miller, how have they worded the controversy surrounding him? They've mentioned it as tabloid information, as tabloid uh, accusations, etc., which is really them, in my opinion. I, I mentioned this in the videos where we were going through those articles that I honestly think that's them trying to downplay it, right? Because they're basically trying to say, this is no good for mainstream serious media. This is just for those tabloids that care all about this drama. Because what that does is it makes the perception and builds that perception that these are things that are not proven, that these are things that have no value, have no merit whatsoever, even if they haven't been litigated, even if they have been litigated and fault has been found, even if there is some video evidence of certain things too. Again, I, I just think that ultimately we do have to be careful with, with that perception as well because Warner Brothers does have an image problem. It's not, though, because they're viewed as pro-domestic crime. It's rather because they are viewed as a company that does not know how to make good movies and not just that, but also good movies for not as much money. <laughs> so, yeah, ultimately, it's 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 going to be it's it's just it's not good for them. It's not, you know, Disney's really, really bad at this point. But, you know, because most of the big budget films that are left on both studios uh, dimes, you I think ultimately Disney will end up being the biggest loser. But there are a lot of big films set to come out still for Warner Brothers that could end up also being some some pretty uh, pretty big box office losses. Steven, I had to say, still having still hanging in there with the whole breakup, trying to move on. I, I will say this much. It says, uh, my text just texted me back and wants me back, not going back. I'm not a fool of a took. Yeah, again, uh, sorry that you're going through that, man. But I, I will say this much, man. I will say that, uh, you know, talking about it out loud, right, That that is what is also going to continue to, you know, it's obviously it's good to talk about the things. It's, it's good to try to to make sure that it's not, you know, staying bottled up inside, but also mentioning it every single time may not be necessarily helping at this point. So I would say, yeah, try try focusing on different things, right? I think you've been doing that quite a bit. You've been mentioning, you know, kind of the process that you've been going through to keep yourself focused on other things, being more productive, 
um, and, and everything like that. So, yeah. General Wingster says, isn't kick that site with all the prawn bots asking for your information? No, not that one. Cthulhu uh, had to say he added the box office after theater sharing minus reported budgets and marketing. Same thing you are doing, but he summarized it. I learned nothing watching it because you do it. Well, Cthulhu, thank you, Mary. I appreciate I appreciate that a, a lot. Yeah, and again, he has a much more streamlined ap- approach to things, and I think that there are a lot of people that very much enjoy that content. Again, people will watch me, and I get so wonky with the numbers, and, and I get so wonky with the different percentages and everything that for some people, that's not something that they are drawn to, right? There are clearly some that are, and I love y'all for that. It's just, it's amazing that there are people who do that um, and, and who are drawn to that. But there's a lot more people who are going to be drawn to the type of uh, of presentation style that someone like Valiant Renegade has. And that's why, again, I give kudos to him because he is still talking about something very, very similar, right? He talks about box office. He talks about the uh, the financial side of things. And it's nice to know that there are other people in this space that are also going to talk about it. And hey, it clearly had an impact because who's the one that is getting picked up on all these different places, right? I, I mean, who's the one who has also seen a significant growth? He's already passed me, actually, um, in subscribers uh, and you know, not been doing nearly as long. And it's because he makes really good content, not just it being polished, but he does have actually really good commentary of things to say. So again... I, I definitely am someone that is going to come to his defense um, as he has actually supported me for quite a while before he even started a channel. He was a member. He's been a member actually on this channel. Right? He's been a YouTube member since the memberships went live a few years ago. He, he's been on uh, for quite a while, even before he, he got his channel started. So I, I definitely feel like he is, you know, kind of like that one of us, one of us, right? He is someone who's, who's been a part of this community, been a part of the Asgardian community for, for quite a long time. You know, even though he's not in the chats, not having the conversations during the live stream, he is, I still think doing a lot of really, really, really good work. So yeah, I'm always going to give kudos to him. Then are this release with us. Do I know you? I never met you in my life. Oh, you're changing it up there. Thanatos Felicitas, welcome back. Nearside Cyclops, what's going on? Miss Minnesota fan, my dad has made several cornholes. Yes, 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 yes. It's fun. It's fun especially because you don't really need to train for it, and you also don't need to be all that athletic. Or if you were once athletic at one point in your life, and then you've put on quite a bit of weight because of various things in your life, and so therefore you wouldn't be able to you know, keep cardio up as much, you don't have to worry about that with cornhole. One of the other reasons why I, I very much uh, appreciate it. Hamilton Burger, stay on task and on point. That's a pretty big ask. That is a big ask, Hamilton Burger. You are right about that. Absolutely right about that. Orange Hour Views, he was the expert. Uh, he was the spider expert in arachnophobia. Okay, now it's starting to come back to me a little bit. Uh, that was one of my favorite uh, parts of the movie. I hate the movie because I, I, am, I don't like spiders. I don't like spiders. I don't. So I, I don't watch it for that reason, and uh, or haven't watched it since one of the first times I did watch it for that reason, but he was definitely a, a good part of it, I would say. Fear of FEMA in the chat, what's up? Steven, tag to say, deadline release, de- I'm not even going to talk about that. Bro, Steven, get here on time. I talked about that already. I talked about that at the beginning of the stream. <sighs> Trying to steal my thunder, Steven. Come on, man. Automated showman, what is going on? Carl, Carl. What's up, Coral? What a shame. I know, right? What a shame. Dollar Destiny's likely going to lose quite a bit of money. General Wingster, you have entertained me. I thank you. 
Thank you for the $2 super chat. And for those very, very kind words, General Wigster. You entertain me uh, pretty much every single stream, man. It's always great to have the pet troll uh, in the chat. And, and and you are a fun one. You are a really good one, man. So seriously, you, you're great. I love you, man. And, and keep up the work. Keep doing you, boo. Let's see, Dan Blackroyd tagged to say, just an opinion on Valiant. I've seen enough of the content to know when people are just finding numbers to suit the narratives they want to push. I prefer the black and white numbers analysis. Yeah, and again, that's definitely a preference. So I'm glad that you worded it in that way, Dan Blackroyd. I think the first way, again, this is the reason why talking to someone through text message, through online communications is, is uh, is so crappy because you can't pick up on nuance or context. You can't further flesh things out. Because like that to me comes across more in a way where I'm like, okay, I understand that, right? Differencing of opinion. Whereas the first way, it just seemed to, again, the perception that I had was that it was tearing him down a bit. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm not, I don't really like. Um, but that second, that second point you've just made, I think, again, definitely, uh, it's definitely a preference thing. Definitely a preference thing for sure. So, and there's definitely a space for, for both, I think. Uh, Graftanger98 says, what do you think Dune Part 2 might pull in since it will be a full theatrical release? I saw Dune Part 1 twice in theaters. I mean, look, I'm a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. I've, I've talked about Denis Villeneuve countless times on the channel because I, I just love the content that he does. That all being said, we also have to recognize that when it comes to Dune, it is not a huge mainstream IP. It, it is something that has a fan base. It is something that definitely has... It's it's fans who are going to spend the money to see it opening night, opening weekend, and maybe even see it multiple times, like yourself. I know that I myself will go to see it opening night because I am a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. I am about I, I haven't picked it back up again, but before the first Dune, I think I got to seventy five percent or so through the first book and was really enjoying it quite a bit. But the first movie was incomplete. Uh, the first movie ended at a very weird point. It didn't make sense. Based on what I had read in the the book and the novel, I was like, wait, this is kind of a weird place for you to stop. And it kind of has the same problem that a Spider-Verse, uh, you know, that Across the Spider-Verse had where it ended to set up for the next part. But it ended at a point where you're you're like, OK, but now I just got an incomplete story. You know, now now I just don't really have something that I can fully digest and, and I can fully look into. You need, you need to have right those three parts, right? The the beginning, the build up into going all the way up into the the peak and then having that conclusion. And I think that that was one of the biggest faults that the first Dune had. Now, the first Dune was also impacted by several different things going on, right? When it comes to box office, when it comes to COVID, when it comes to to theaters, etc., um, HBO Max. So that movie, I believe, still made around 350 to $400 million worldwide. What do I think that this movie is going to make? Honestly, I would be surprised to see it make a, a lot of money. And I say that as someone who who would love for the film, if the film is good, and I, I have very little doubt that it will be good uh, because of the track record of, of the director. But if if it is good, then I really will hope then that the film is a massive box office success. But again, because you're starting off with a very, very, um, especially in comparison to a Marvel or a DC, right, where you've got much larger kind of pools of people to pull from. You know, even though they they have obviously shrunk a lot in those categories that I've just mentioned of DC and and Disney and and Marvel, etc. Right, those are not nearly as big as they once were. They're still a little bit bigger than the fan base for for a Dune, for instance. So I don't think the movie is going to be a massive box office hit. Personally, I would love for it to be, 
But even if it is good, I still don't think it's going to make it past $500 million if I had to guess. So I see some activity going on in the chat. So let's go ahead and shout those people out. So first off, the old guard has been a member for 19 months at the Army of Asgard level. Lurking old guard. Thank you, man. By the way, if you are Army of Asgard and above on YouTube, this also goes for the other uh, supporting platforms. But since you are a YouTube member, check the community section on YouTube, right? The members section, I guess you could say. You'll see that there are exclusive posts for members, including access to the podcast playlist. And there is a, a post right now for anyone who has questions for the next podcast episode. I'm going to try to get it actually filmed in June if I possibly can. Uh, Mommy and Daddy are still fighting. Uh, me and, and John Flickinger, the Flick Pick, still still are, are having some issues when it comes to uh, scheduling and such. Um, so we'll probably have another uh, guest host uh, as, as we did last time. It, it could be Michelle if she's willing uh, from Force of Light Entertainment like it was last month. I might try to see if I can maybe get Matthew Kadish again. Uh, I know that he was willing to jump on uh, a few months ago at this point too. But yeah, if you have questions that you want us to talk about, do a deeper dive into um, and, and talk about in podcast form. Hey, go check that out and uh, post your questions there. But thank you very much for, for that. I really do appreciate it. All right, let's get back into the chat. And uh, then we're going to jump into the stories, all right? So don't worry. We're going to talk about some stuff. All right, Orange Eye Review says, While the vast majority may not know, many people I talk with who are general moviegoers are waking up to the scandals and controversies we are making a difference. And I'm not denying that, Orange Chat. Definitely not denying that. But in general, I will say most people still don't. This kind of goes back to what I've been saying now at nauseum about Disney. It, Disney films have not failed because they have featured non-binary character in element in uh, in Elemental, right? If you were to poll people who decided not to see Elemental, my guess would be mentioning the non-binary character that's apparently in the movie would not rank very high on reasons people decided not to go see it. Uh, how I spend my money, wanting to not waste my money, would probably be at the top of the list. And I go back to this again. I honestly think one of the other top things on that list will be Disney has gotten way too politically motivated, which will include, once again, the fact that there were the leaked videos that came out about the studio execs behind the scenes saying, yes, we want to put and indoctrinate these kids into this ideology. They've gotten involved in Florida politics with Florida laws all of that stuff got a lot of national attention, which is going to much more likely reach the eyes and ears of general everyday folk, including parents. That, I think, in addition then to the people you're going to lose when you find out, oh, this movie has this, this movie has that. And again, that that pattern of behavior, and you end up losing an entire audience because of it, right? So when it comes to Warner Brothers, when it comes to the DCEU, I mean, let's just look back at the record. The DCEU specifically has never really been all that strong. I mean, yes, there is one billion dollar film in its, you know, in its quiver with the first Aquaman movie. But other than that one, because the budgets have especially been so incredibly high, they haven't made huge profits. Again, they've made money on most of their projects, but not a whole lot. And I think that we're starting to see, especially now with their movies losing money, that any magic they had, they did not have for any length of time. You look at Marvel, they made so many movies, had such a massive fan base for so long, they were able to make, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And now only recently, over the past few years, 
have those films either barely broken even or in many cases lost money. So, yeah, again, I don't think it's as black and white, I guess, as as you would say. Uh, Gomer Pyle, uh, sorry, Gomer Pyle LRG. Welcome back, Gomer Pyle. Keck44 in the chat, here in the Steadfast in the chat as well. General Wingster, time to say, Odin, I think we should see other people. Is Valiant single? <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny. King and Rumchki over on Rumble, why don't I watch movies? It's elemental, my dear. I see what you did there. King and Rumchki, you should watch movies. Movies are great. Movies are fun. Not, not any of this modern crap, but, you know, it is what it is. See Hardwick's in the chat. General Wingster, I prefer the title King Jester. Troll has such an ugly connotation to it these modern times. True, but if anyone's going to take it back, Wingster, it's you. Rob D, hello, Odin. I started watching Agent Carter with my mom. I can't remember, did you watch it? I did, and I really liked it. I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed Agent Carter, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. I definitely think, was it season one? I forgot which season I preferred, but there's one season that I think is definitely better. I think it's season one that's better than season two, but both are still pretty good. Wicked Plumber, thank you very much for gifting the five memberships. Appreciate that a whole lot, brother, uh, at the Army of Asgard level. So shout out to you, Wicked Plumber. Thank you very much for that incredible generosity. And for all the new members at the Army of Asgard level uh, and above, yeah, go check out the community tabs. That way you can see the uh, exclusive video access you can get access to last month's podcast a video podcast that i did with michelle with uh, a force life entertainment and uh force light entertainment it was great it was fun yeah great wuda congratulations dan black congratulations as well steven time to say have you ever gone to comic-con this may be the worst event ever this year due to marvel cancel their panel and no excitement for dc what a flop i mean ultimately i'm not much of a comic-con person i've been to star wars celebration once the one that was in chicago several years ago there's a video of that uh i, I had some some <laughs> i didn't have a panic attack but i definitely uh was was feeling the anxiety because that was one of the first times that i was uh, getting to go see uh, many of the people in the online space and the Geeks and Gamers community as well. So I had a lot of anxiety for that. It was really the first, that was actually the first big convention I had ever been to. So Chicago Star Wars Celebration, it was just a crap ton of people and and it was definitely anxiety inducing. Um, but uh, other than that, I've done the Megacons. I've done a couple of Megacons and... Uh, and that's pretty much it. But uh, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con, it is the right time of year because I believe that's in July. So theoretically, I could make that work. The problem is pricing and availability of tickets and the pricing and availability of getting into California. I don't really want to go to California, especially after how crazy things have been there. Um, but yeah, Wayward Noodle, what's going on? Welcome back into the chat. Appreciate you being here. We got Master of Gaming in the chat as well. General Wingster is a member says, Odin keeps obsessing over some French named Denis. <laughs> Denis, as you say. Someone should tell Freya. Don't tell Freya about Denis, okay? Don't tell Freya about Denis. All right, Denis Villeneuve and I have a special relationship. All right, but it's it's just business, okay? It's just business. Mr. Roy, what's going on? Welcome. Hardwick, what's going on, Hardwick? Says, Andres Mushi, uh, Muschietti, I'm going to make the biggest bomb of 2023. James Mangold, no, I am. Christopher Nolan, hold my beard. Oh, nay, nay. Oh, nay, nay, Hardwick. 
Uh, Nolan is not going to make the biggest bomb of the year. You want to know why? Actually, no. Scratch that, reverse it. I finally got the joke. And once again, I don't find it all that funny. <laughs> I love you, Hardwick. I love you, man. Uh, Steven says, Evasion is the second lowest view rating for a Marvel show right behind Miss Marvel. You think it's due to the whole AI opening boycott or simply no more interest? It's no more interest. The AI stuff, that's just the cherry on top. I mean, I'm not even that aware of the AI stuff in uh, media or anything like that. I mean, I know it's a thing, obviously, but it's it's not something that I, that I really follow all that readily. But when I found out that the opening sequence was AI generated, immediately I thought, oh, well, at least that makes sense. Because I remember when I saw it, I went in not knowing that, and I thought, did they have like a random high school student make this credit scene? Because I was like, it's not like, if it's a high school student who did it, it's not terrible. But if this is like a professional grade, uh, you know, intro that you've made for a major show, oh boy, that's not good. Oh boy, that would not be good. Anyway, let's go ahead and dive into that first story, though, because this is something that broke earlier today, uh, but this is still news to me because Deadline has been very, very slow in getting its information out uh, in a way that is easy to find. Again, I check, um, you know, especially as we go through the course of the week, I check Deadline's box office to try and see if they have their box office preview. As you all know, I, I'm obsessed with numbers and everything like that. And obviously, as you also have mentioned, or either I have mentioned, you know, Valiant Renegade has been doing a really, really great job and has been picked up a lot. And so it means I got to step up my game. So uh, this is something that you probably will have no idea what it's from, but it's actually, it's from an off-Broadway uh, play, um, and it deals specifically with what I need to do. I need to become a serious and real mathematician, so now is the time, everybody. Time to see a real mathematician at work! It's time for some math. All right, so first off, jumping in. I appreciate it. I hope that you did too. Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny, going according to Deadline, is to whip up... Don't you always love their puns? Don't you always love the, the little play on words they've got there? Whip up $140 million global opening in their box office preview. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, some of you might be saying, $140 million? That's really good. You would be mistaken, and I'll explain why. Facing the worst reviews ever for an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> okay, deadline kudos to you. At least you started off strong, okay? I can't wait to see the excuses that you'll make for this, because this is something I mentioned in my box office breakdown from Sunday, that um, <laughs> it's interesting that sites like uh, Hollywood Reporter and sites like Deadline uh, conveniently will play cover for a lot of these studios and a lot of these movies for their first two weeks. And then after their first two weeks, they'll all of a sudden then change their tune and start to be honest. And I had mentioned saying how in the uh, the old days, and I still think that it's true to a certain extent, that studios tend to get a lot more money from their movies in the first couple weeks of their release versus after and in the long run. It's the reason why theaters are able to charge as much as they are for popcorn and drinks because they don't make money off of the ticket sales, at least initially. So when you've got all those people coming in those first two weeks, most of that's going to the studio, but hey, theaters are okay because they're getting a ton of uh, you know sales in their popcorn and soft drinks, which they are upselling to an insane degree. However, 
It is interesting, nonetheless, that they will continue to play cover. But hey, kudos to Deadline for at least having a strong opening. Facing the worst reviews ever for an Indiana Jones movie, the Lucasfilm franchise finale, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, is hoping to gain traction with audiences and best its 60 to $65 million start and $140 million global opening. Now, as you all know, one of the things that I... Uh, discovered recently while doing my charting was that most films, this is something that I was able to figure out, most films tend to make about a third of their entire box office in their global opening weekend. That's the average, all right? The average as far as what the opening weekend is globally to what is the end result. So if this movie then performs as an average film, so it has typical 55, 60% drops it's able to hold on in both the domestic international market. If it's able to, again, be an average movie, if that number holds of $140 million, that would mean the film would make around 420 or so million. So let's say, wait a minute, the reviews on this have been really, really bad. The projections on this movie have been dropping precipitously. Remember, Box Office Pro had the number closer to 80 to $90 million in its opening. Right, 60 to 65 was actually the lower end of their estimates. So this movie's been tracking downward. So let's say going into the weekend, it ends up making less because it continues that downward trend. Well, if that happens, then you're looking at a film that, again, if it has otherwise average performances, will struggle to get to $400 million globally. Will struggle to get to $400 million globally. And so that then brings us to this bad boy right here, because according to Disney, all right, we love to do charts here, all right? And by the way, this is this is your trigger warning because we are about to jump into- Time to see a real death magician at work. We're about to jump into some math, people, okay? So right now, the projections overall, <laughs> some of you may not appreciate that clip, I do. Uh, but anyway, the budget, all right, this is what's been reported by the studio. So take it or leave it. It could be a lot higher than this. It could be a lot lower. Ultimately, even with reshoots, even with delays, this actually would sound quite accurate to me. This would this would actually sound about right for a, a movie of this caliber. But I, again, maybe we'll see some updates as we get closer to its release. We'll have to wait and see. But here's the biggest issue of all, all right? The movie costs $295 million dollars all right and that's just the production budget if you use my metric all right the way that i account for break even is i use a 2.5 times the budget multiplier all right so typically films need to make 2.5 times their budget in order to break even why is that the case well a couple things one because studios do not get 100 percent of their box office all right they get roughly 60%. Now, there again, there are others that have different metrics. Some say they only get 50% of the box office. And again, when you compare those numbers in the long run, there isn't that much difference between them. But I just wanted to put that caveat out there that there are different philosophies on this. But the way that my uh, system works is studios get about 60% of the entire box office. Once you get that 60%, all right, Okay, well now you gotta take into account, okay, but we spent $295 million just on production budget, but we also spent a crap ton on marketing. For a roughly $300 movie, most studios are gonna spend about $150 million 
in addition to the $300 million on marketing cost. So typically to get to the total cost, you just multiply the budget by 1.5 because that takes the budget and then adds an additional half to the overall total, right? So the break-even of 2.5 gets you to that, okay, 60% of the box office they actually get to keep, but then you have to subtract it. So they've therefore, at a minimum, Disney at a minimum needs to make $737.5 million to break even. Now, as I said, if the movie opens to the $140 million, right, to the $140 million that, that it is projected to open to, and it performs as an average movie in all markets, that means the film would struggle to get to $400 million. And if you want to see a comparison as to how we can actually already kind of see that, look at The Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid opened to 163.8 worldwide. Now remember, this film has actually been doing better domestically than what initially had been thought. Not enough to make up for the massive amount of money it needs to make. It needs to make upwards of 625, right? The minimum break even for that film is around 625 million. Right now it's only at 499. And that movie's not going to get anywhere close to 625, right? So if you see 163.8, and that movie is performing actually better domestically than internationally and is actually performing better domestically than some would have thought it would, uh, myself included, okay, we can then see why that film would actually perform a little bit better than that, you know, times three uh, metric that I've been using. But what happens with Indiana Jones? Does that movie have strongholds domestically? Does that movie have strongholds internationally? Does it have strongholds in both locations? We'll have to wait and see, of course. But based on how almost all big budget films, with very few exceptions, have been performing recently, there is very little reason to give any sense of hope for this movie to not only be able to make its money back, but to be able to make any sense of profit uh, whatsoever. Now, now again, th this is, I think, what's interesting. I've gone ahead and this chart have added what other people's break-even point tends to be. So again, my break-even point is 2.5 times the budget. That's, again, taking into account 60% cut for the studio. And then you subtract the amount of money spent on the movie. That would mean if you get to 737, then you break even, right? You get to the, the roughly $450 million that you would have to spend on this movie or that they would have spent on this movie, production budget and marketing budget combined. Some people, though, use closer to a three times multiplier. So taking the budget, multiplying it by three to get their break-even point. So I have that listed as a max break-even. Now, again, there might even be some that are having problems with this who would say it's it's more than three times. And again, everyone's goalpost might get changed. I go by the 2.5. I would rather be more conservative because the way my thought process goes is this. If your movie is losing money on my chart then essentially it means there's no way in heck that you're ever going to be able to argue that a film that you've had is making money whatsoever. Because again, if you're losing money on my chart and my my numbers are seen as conservative or outdated, if you have a giant financial loss on my chart then, and in, in all likelihood it's actually a lot higher, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> But anyway, at three times the budget, the break-even for Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny would then go to $885 million. Now, as I said, if it performs as an average movie, it gets to $400, or a little over $400 million. So let's go ahead and, and do a little bit of a fantasy booking here, all right? Let's say it taps out at $400 million. I think right now that's fair. 
I think there's a chance it comes in a little bit over that amount of money, all right? Using the equations, let's see if it auto-fills in for me. Beautiful. I love when it does that. Also, if you can see up close there, you can see, right, I'm taking the overall, uh, the overall box office, right, times 0.6 because they only get 60% of the box office, and then subtracting the overall budget, multiplying that by 1.5 because that includes then the marketing cost, and that's where you get to roughly a $202 million loss. However, if it indeed is closer to the three times multiplier, in this one, it's a little bit trickier. Uh, there's not an exact science that I have found at this point in time, but let's just say instead of it being 1.5 times the budget for its marketing, let's say they spent a little bit higher than it. Let's say they spent a little bit more on marketing, okay, than they would typically would. 1.7 times. You're looking at $261 million in financial losses. So, yes, we got ourselves a situation where they are in a lot of financial trouble. Now let's go ahead and take that out because we, that is not an official number yet at this point in time. However, it is interesting nonetheless that if you go ahead and look to this number right here, that the overall budget of what they have spent so far, this is just from Disney. Disney in 2023 alone has spent well over $2.1 billion. $2.1 billion on production cost and marketing. And again, this is a much more conservative estimate because that 295, you got to add money for marketing. That 200 million, you got to add money for marketing. So that's really, really bad. All right. Now, out of the movies that have come out so far, and we'll do a further deep dive into this in a second, but I did want to dive into this first story on Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny. Um, but as you can see, there is a lot of red here. But the main point takeaway from this chart before going doing a deeper dive a little bit later is they have only had one movie this year. Disney has had only one movie this year. And if I'm wrong on this, if there is a subsidiarity, subsidiarity, if there's a subsidiary of Disney, like a 20th Century Studios production or something like that that I have missed that actually has legitimate box office uh, receipts, please let me know, and I'll try to see if I can add those in later on at another time. But basically, only one film has actually made money from Disney this year. Only one movie has actually made profit, and that was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which has made so far about maybe $73 to $123 million in net gain profit, depending on what your break-even point is. So anyway, I know that was a lot, but again, with Valiant Renegade just going off the charts, just just getting all the attention, I, I have to embrace who I really am. I see a real at work! I had to become a math expert, okay? I have to uh, continue to to pull and uh, <laughs> to dominate the math. And uh, before going, though, back into the comment section, if you were not watching earlier today on the OMB Report live stream, you missed how I now have set up some dog cams. I now got the Hounds of Asgard uh, cams set up. And I was I was playing around with those uh, with those earlier, and so let me see if I can get that set up for y'all. So there we go, boom! That is River. She is in the chair today, just chilling and just hanging out. So boom, we got we got the dog cam, we got the puppy cam back, and there's there's River being a little cutie. Uh, I also have a second one. Let me go ahead and see if I can get this one working. Um, let's see. I don't remember the angle for this one. 
Oh, no dog there. So look at that. I, uh, <laughs> I've got two angles. So that's normally where one of the dogs is right now. There's just a lonely toy there. So just a lonely toy there um, because the other dog, Willow, she is actually uh, right down here. She's right down there. So um, anyway, actually, you know what? In fact, because of the fact that I do have this set up the way that I do, I actually can technically have a, a mobile cam set up here. Let me go ahead and unplug this one because y'all can't actually see what's going on. There we go. All right. Now go ahead. There we go. So that's what's going on underneath where Willow is, uh, where River is. So there she is. She heard her name. <laughs> She's like, why are you talking about me? Why are you looking at me? Please, please just leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. Okay, well, I'm sorry, baby girl. All right, we'll go back to, to River. She doesn't she doesn't seem to mind it nearly as as much. So anyway, uh, yeah, enjoy the the puppet cam. Uh, tomorrow on the uh, welcome to sorry on the uh, chosen of Valhalla stream, I might try and see if I can get them in the uh, in the main shots for it. So let's go ahead and dive back into the chats. So again, thank y'all for for y'all's uh, for y'all's patience. All right, let's see. Keely Chow, if the movie stinks, just don't go. Jay Sherman in an episode of The Critic. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Laura, the modern major general, is in the channel as well. Shout out to you. General Wingster says, all I remember was that Jeremy was looking for Darth Vader street dancing. No, that was in New Orleans. That's when he went to come visit me in New Orleans. That that was not in... Uh, that was not in Chicago. Over on Rumble, King Ken Rumchi says, you should put total box office in the second column. No, I, I was... <laughs> I, I always get recommendations from people. Look, this is how my brain works, okay? It's how my brain works, and everyone's going to have a little bit of a different philosophy on where they want to see things, but that's what works for me, Okay. I appreciate your feedback, King King Rumsky. I love you, man. King King Rumsky then also says, are you going to watch the Marvels? Yes, I believe Gary is going to give that to be homework for us. And so I am dreading the day, but it's uh, it's going to happen. It is going to happen, I think. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey. What's going on, good sir? Says, USB ports on the top of the PC. That makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Really? What's what's the issue with USB ports on the back of of, of the PC? Oh, or were you looking at the uh, like the cables or something like that? <laughs> Was it because of my, the lack of uh, cable management that I have? Is 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 that what was uh, causing the issues? Was was that was that causing uh, a trigger there? Was was that what it is? <laughs> Oh man! But shout out, shout out to you, Abomination. Let's see. Uh, Steven over on YouTube says Sony pulled off Spider-Man spinoff El Muerto due to Bad Bunny leaving as main role. They should cancel the project completely due to him leaving or just to recast. I mean, it sounds to me like they probably were going with him for a specific reason for money, and to now no longer have him. It, it, it just, again, when you're making a show for someone, imagine if you had announced and shown some initial renderings and ideas for something like Cyberpunk with Keanu Reeves, and then Keanu Reeves decided to drop out of it. 
it would make sense for you to drop the project altogether because the people's interest in the product would most likely mostly becomes uh, be, be because of someone like Keanu Reeves being a part of the project. Um, again, I'm not an expert gamer, so that logic may not necessarily be completely accurate, but uh, based on the little knowledge that I have, I would say short. Uh, let's see. Abomination says, I keep books and stuff on the top of my computer and just imagine a book calling on the cable and snapping the plug. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't. Uh, I, I try to keep the top of my computer clean for uh, for the uh, venting so that the airflow doesn't get blocked. Not not that it's needed at all. There's so much dust and it, it's insane. Um, I, I don't take care of it nearly as much as I as I should. So let's see. Uh, Hardwick in here again says Christopher Nolan says optimistic about the potential of AI for filmmaking, but only as long as AIs don't get treated as people. Okay. Got it. Oh boy. Let's see. Automated showman says Ian and Jones film somewhat embraced the historical and religious significance behind the artifacts. Then four said, therefore aliens, not sure what Disney is going to pull out of their rear. Yeah. And based on all of the reviews I've seen the first 20 minutes or so, are a fun little uh, mini end to the franchise that that many people have apparently enjoyed with the de-aging uh, going on or whatever. Again, I don't care what the technology is called, but whatever they're using for it to make a younger Harrison Ford apparently has been working. But then after that, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge gets brought into the equation and it's just, it's just, uh, it falls apart. Uh, King Gain Rumsky over on Rumble says, as a result of you not moving the total box office column, I am forced to make you mathematically excommunicado. You don't have the power to do that, King Gain Rumsky. Don't you dare threaten me. Don't you dare make your make your you know false threats against me. Don't you know who I am? And don't you know who this is? Huh? She's moved. <laughs> Uh, but don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut. Anyway. A Goat971, the deviants that run Disney seem hellbent on running the once great company into the ground. Ironically, I think it will be the godless communist Chinese that will inevitably bring them down. However, I think that that ultimately could lead to a lot of us being brought down the process. So, <laughs> Ikthulu, math, so much cringe. That's the whole point. It's supposed to be cringe. It's supposed to be funny. Some context It's from a play that was off-Broadway called Puffs. And yes, go ahead and laugh at that because it is meant to be funny. It is an unauthorized uh, off-Broadway play, not a musical, but a play that goes into the story that we all know of Harry Potter, right? But instead, it's through the perspective of the uh, of of a Hufflepuff student that starts the same year Harry Potter does. And he has delusions of grandeur, thinks that he might be a chosen one or something like that. And uh, let's just say it's a lot of fun. It's hilarious. It makes fun of itself. It makes fun of Harry Potter. But also it's for fans uh, because it has a lot of Easter eggs and things like that. The actors that are in it are hilarious too. And that sequence immediately popped into my head as something that I would love to have incorporated at some point. Uh, Just especially because of the math. I love it. (laughs) Uh, your average Patriot nerd, what's going on? Welcome back. Let's see. Hardwick, does say season one of Agent Carter is great. Season two has moments, but the plot is terribly written overall, especially the complete mess of a finale. Yeah, I think I remember enjoying it still, but yeah. Jenna Wigster, OG Oates talking about numbers and math. How dare you? How dare you? Zoomed, what's going on? Welcome back. I feel like it's been a while, Zoomed. 
1975? I feel like I haven't seen that in a while. Welcome back. Just Joe 47. <laughs> so since since Just Joe didn't tag me, uh, I wasn't going to read the whole comment, but then I saw Steiner, and immediately, of course, I thought about the, the incredible Scott Steiner. I need Steiner, Matt, to figure all this box office stuff out. Indiana Jones 5. You have to have 140... Two, uh, 141 and two-thirds chance of being a disaster. Oh, my gosh. If I could somehow memorize the entire mathematical tangent that Scott Steiner goes on in that one clip, I, I would I would use that all the time. Um, <laughs> that's going to be one of my goals in life. Osmond Diaz, what's going on? Burst Angel in the chat. Hail to you. Uh, yes, indeed. The puppies are so cute. Yes. Enjoy the puppish. Justin, what's up? A hey, goat, it's 1971, what's up? Math is easy, says Osmodeus. No, it's hard. Keck44, Keely Chow, Dag say, I'm loving your setup for your new office, the Geeks of Gamers, a Tennessee office. <laughs> uh, allegedly, that's what you've said. Uh, Steven, have you taught River how to do a barrel roll yet? No, she can't roll. She can sit and shake, but that that that's about it. And then she can also, you know, she can also lay down and and just and just be cute, you know. That's 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 just kind of her her mo, really, is is, is just to <laughs> do those things. All right, uh, Hardwick. Let's see, David Corin Sweat and Rachel Brashana especially been cast as new Superman and Lois Lane. Corset looks a bit younger. Looks looks a little bit like a younger Henry Cavill, and I still have no care whatsoever about anything James Gunn has set for the DCEU. Hardwick, you know this. Your eyes, Richard Nerd. River Song, River Phoenix, the River Nile. Uh, no, River is named after River. Uh, is named after. Oh my goodness, why am I blanking out on her last name? Anyway, she's named after River from <laughs> uh, from Serenity from Firefly. Uh, just love that show so very much. So, so my wife and I chose that name for her. And then Willow is named after the character of Willow from the... Uh, I don't know. I was going to say Vampire Diaries. It's like it's not Vampire Diaries. Uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So... Definitely got some pop culture names there. Kinky and Rumsky over on Rumble. Holla if you hear me! Yeah, 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 yeah. I got that reference. Jazzpania, if Indy 5 fails, do you think Hollywood will lose faith in James Fool's Gold? Um, no, not, not necessarily. Um, because here's the thing. James Mangold has made good movies. Ford v. Ferrari was phenomenal. Uh, Logan, I really liked Logan a lot. I honestly think that Mangold got broken by COVID. I think that he got so indoctrinated by all the crap that was going on and it I think it, he got mentally messed up because when he especially went after Matthew Kadish and the Salty Nerd podcast crew and just went again off a crazy unhinged tangent uh, against them for for some of the dumbest things I mean in all honesty all that Matthew Kadish did was point out how old Harrison Ford was it's just a, it's a statement of fact. The dude's old and he's too old to be doing this. And the injury that had happened to him, it's like, bro, that that's kind of like you were asking for that to happen. And when when he went off on him like that, I was just, I can't, I honestly, uh, I honestly cannot believe that. And uh, so, yeah, I think 
basically, if he can get some mental help, because I think he honestly needs it. I honestly believe he needs some some psychiatric help. If he can get that, the dude's talented. He can make good movies. So I, I wouldn't say that he's done. I wouldn't say that he's done. Let's see. Keely Chow says, speaking of <laughs> speaking of hookers, I can picture you being in Vegas trying to get some hookers to give up their sex work and devote their lives to Christ. I mean, let's just put it this way. Yeah, I would have a lot of my rosaries on hand and I would be like, I'll be praying for you. There, There is a better way. There is a better, better way. Um, let's see. General Wingster tagged, or who's a member says that's incorrect. Oh, and millions of players would have still have gotten at cyberpunk and be tremendously disappointed. <laughs> Cthulhu. Wow. That place sounds entertaining and fun. It actually is. It's is hilarious. My wife and I saw that off Broadway and fell in love with it. And, uh, it, it just, there's so many great lines in there. And, and the way the actors portray the characters are also really, really funny. Let's see. Laura does say, has baby Thor seen how to train your dragon? I just watched it this weekend and it was awesome. I mean, I really enjoy the first one. He's not watched that yet. Right now he's obsessed with Kubo and the two strings, which is phenomenal. And of course uh, with my neighbor Totoro. So he's, he's taking a little bit of, uh, of a break from, from star Wars and from up or as, as we call it up in the air with the balloons. <laughs> but, uh, he's, he's loved Kubo. And as I said, I'm, I'm very happy that so far he's got good taste in movies, at least. Uh, Steven, any chance you tried learning how to read and speak Latin when you were in college? Always curious to read Latin, uh, the Latin Bible of the Old Testament. Uh, I wish I did. I wish that I had some knowledge of Latin. It's something that I would love to learn at some point in my life. Um, however, that has I've just not gotten to that at this point, and I just don't know when I would. Um, I, I don't necessarily would, I wouldn't say I would want to learn it just so that I could read the Bible in Latin. I would probably want to learn Latin so that I could read primary sources and uh, teachings of, of the church, the official documents from church councils in the official Latin as well, because I think ultimately in order to truly understand pretty much anything in any language, you, you have to be able to go at it with the source language, right? That's how you're always going to have a better understanding. Uh, the R says, I, for some reason, watched the Peacemaker series recently. I should have taken a math class instead. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Agreed. Uh, Laura says, Firefly, the perfectly rated, not at all overrated show. Exactly. Firefly is perfect. Anyone who says otherwise, you know, I, I don't know what else to say to you other than I hope that this can change your mind. I hope that this can convert your mind and convert your heart because if, if that little cute puppy is not enough to change your mind and heart, I don't know what else will. I really don't. Uh, over on Odyssey, Abomination says, and Crystal Skull do, 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 ended with that line. It's something like, not aliens, but highly advanced beings from another, from another dimension. And I'm at home like, that still makes them aliens. Yeah. But also, you're acknowledging a movie that many people do not believe exists. Now then again, do we go by the precept that perception is what makes reality? Do we want to fall down and and uh, do we want to really go down that rabbit hole? I, I don't know if we want to. I don't know if that's something that we should we should be striving for. But hey, what what would I know? One Bridge Eleven, what's going on? Welcome to the chat. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, unless we know they're trying to get my attention. It's almost like a code word too. 
Gilly Chow, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is awesome. It is great. I was just watching randomly the pilot episode the other day, and I was like, okay, this thing is dated. There's no doubt about it. It is so dated, especially that first season. But the writing and the characters are so good, and Anthony Stewart Head, who who plays Giles, is just so phenomenal. One of my favorite actors in in that space. Um, he was also great in. I don't know if anyone ever watched the show Merlin. It is. It's definitely. It's a. It's a kind of show that I think that Shad. I don't know if Shad has. Uh, gone over this show or not, but I think that it would drive him crazy because there are sequences where you see the different, basically just going even into the structures of the buildings. And I remember there was one where even I noticed it and I tend to be oblivious to this kind of stuff, but there's clearly a modern style railing inside. <laughs> and every time I see it, I'm like, oh, there, there's the, the railing that shouldn't be there. But I actually, I actually ended up enjoying that that show. I, I thought that it was it was pretty fun, and uh, a big part of that was that Anthony Stewart had made a great Utha. He was Utha Pendragon, and he was great. So, King and Rumsky over on Rumble, Tad say, why do you think COVID broke so many people? Come to Jesus moment of some kind that they couldn't handle. Well, first of, all, of Bianca Zombie, thanks for joining over on Rumble. And yeah, I mean, ultimately think of it this way. You have a bunch of people who are forced to be at home. And in the case of someone like James Mangold, he is probably used to going out and working on projects, going out to dinners, going out to do all these other social events and social things. Not that he stopped that or any of the elites really stopped that during the pandemic. But let's just assume for maybe a little bit that they or some of them did. And so therefore, all that we're really left with then is the uh, all that we are then left with then is the understanding that when everything comes down to it, you have to recognize isolation, being distant from people, especially from family and friends, has a deep psychological impact. This is one of the reasons why there are now these studies coming out about how lockdowns had such a negative impact on kids, uh, especially on kids. And it's even worse when you see that these studies... And, and this analysis existed at almost the beginning, at almost the very beginning. You had experts saying, don't do lockdowns. These are going to be really bad. We already have data on what this kind of stuff does to the mind, especially to the young developing mind. So I, I just think for a lot of people, you you fall into that with Stockholm syndrome or whatever it is. And it, it, it leads you to, to just going nuts. And then add to that the media which was continuing to hype up everything, was continuing to fearmonger and fearmonger and fearmonger. I think uh, Dr. Robert Malone, I think, honestly said it best. He described it as this mass formation psychosis, right, where where uh, so many people just became taken away, you know, and obsessed with this stuff. Wayward Noodle, shiny. Let's be bad guys. Yes, I, I want that hat. It's been our our list of things to get uh, is to get the the Jane hat from uh, a man named Jane. I think that was the name of the episode where they have named their village or they have a statue of Jane and uh, and the hat he was wearing. Love it. Uh, yeah, Buffy Buffy is is great. Twilight sucks. Captain Marvel also sucks. Yep. Let's see. Uh, bounding in the comics. What's going on, Bounding? Hail to you, good sir. 
Thank you so much again for featuring my videos. Bro, when you're posting those, please tag me. When you're posting those articles for the first time, please tag me on Twitter so that way I can I can shout you out, so that way I can retweet you, man. Because uh, I've been finding out more recently, like, oh, yeah, did you see that article? I'm like, no, that's awesome, but I, I wish that I had been tagged on it. Love you, brother. Your Irish Patriot nerd who is a member says, I had a dog named Radar growing up after the character in MASH. Grape pheasant hunting dog. I love the Serenity movie. Serenity's great. Hardwick, Minutes Edge thinks uh, Mangold lashed out because he's self-conscious that Indy 5 isn't his movie creatively, studio tampering, and knows it isn't up to his usual standards. That very well could be the case, but, you know, I think that it's probably more so to do with the effect that the lockdowns had on a lot of people. And I base that on the fact that look at how many people came out of the lockdowns just going insane and crazy, even more so than they already were. I mean, even in the church, you had prelates that were also going insane, too, pushing for vaccinations and medications that otherwise they would never have pushed for in the past because of the moral implications that were attached to them. Abomination over on Odyssey says this. Actually, let me go ahead and clear that. Um, Abomination says this. Firefly is above par, but it only has a 72 and a third percent chance of being perfect. And if you take that 72 and a third percent chance and subtract the Hollywood average at the time of 33 and two and a, and two and uh, 33 and two fifths percent chance, that leaves you with 38 and 14 fifteenths chance of Firefly being perfect. Yes, there it is. There is the Scott Steiner math. If you don't know that reference, just look up Scott Steiner math on YouTube and be ready for one of the best things that you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> uh, abomination, you're awesome, dude. Uh, KK Rumshi on Rumble says, when I watch Buffy or Firefly, I just see women talking like men. I then turn the channel. Oh, boo. Boo, 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 boo. Get out of here with that nonsense, King Kane Rumshki. You disgust me. General Wingster, sing it, Odin, the hero of Canton, the man they call Jane. <laughs> Steven, if you think Indy fails, you think Hollywood will give up any attempts to get old actors to do physical movie roles? Uh, it depends. I mean, t technically, Tom Cruise is an old guy. He's an, he's an older actor, but he is still in a, a good enough shape to handle the things that he has, so... I, again, uh, here's the thing, Stephen. You're insinuating that Hollywood learns lessons. Have we not learned anything the last several years? And again, if you are someone that has tagged me several times already, please slow down. You know who you are. It's always the same two people, it seems, every single stream. And I love y'all. I love the questions, but sometimes it's a bit too much. Uh, King and Rumsky says, a pure blood flex can neither confirm nor deny. Justin C. <laughs> uh, Justin C. Time to say, do you feel Mission Impossible 7 will have the legs to do Top Gun Maverick numbers in the box office? Uh, what's up, Justin C.? So, for one, I don't think it's going to do Top Gun Maverick numbers. However, I do think it is the only film that has a chance to make a billion dollars this year. The only film left that has, to make, that has the chance to make a billion dollars this year. And I think a lot of it's going to be because... Uh, is going to be because there are some people that will probably look at it, will see Tom Cruise, will see the crazy stunts, and 
not that they're going to think it's a sequel, but they're going to, in their minds, think of it as almost a spiritual successor to last year's Maverick. And so they'll be like, hey, I loved Maverick. There's a good chance that I might actually love this too. <laughs> Wingster, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> You're not one of them, by the way, Wingster. I appreciate yours so much. <laughs> But anyway, so yes, do I think Mission Impossible 7 is going to do well? Yes, I do. I think it's going to do a lot better than what they are projecting it's going to do. And I also believe that it has a good chance of getting to a billion dollars. But there's one caveat, there's one factor, and we will not know it until the movie comes out. And that's the movie's got to be good. It's, it's got to be good. You know, otherwise, how are we going to keep this 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 little baby girl here entertained? You know? How is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Uh, One Bridge Eleven, thanks for tagging. Says, are the regular panels at FNC paid to be there? If so, how much per show? Uh, whether it is or not, I will neither confirm nor deny. It's no, it's no one's business. So, we'll just leave it at that. Kek Forty Four, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull exists only in another dimension, the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. Hardwick, I thought you didn't like vampire movies and shows. When it's horror stuff, yes. I don't I don't like horror stuff in general. And um and I'm not drawn to the vampire genre per se, but there are certain things that I do enjoy. Steven, when you lived in LA, what do you recommend to eat there? Have you tried In N Out Tommy's or King Taco? Uh In N Out was good. The shakes I think are better than the actual burgers. Um, for me, I'm all about getting value for what you get. Personally, I actually preferred Fat Burger. Fat Burger, to me, you got so much more food for your money, and it tasted great. Um, and they also had shakes. So I, I went to Fat Burger a heck of a lot more. I even got one of those like little punch cards so that I could get a free burger after, after every... Uh, the first meal I actually had when I moved to L.A. and lived there for about nine months was Fat Burger. I walked down the street from my apartment and... Uh, I say apartment, that's very generous. It was efficiency. Even efficiency seems to be a bit uh, generous. It was a room um, where the kitchen and everything else happened to exist. I guess that's what an efficiency is, but <laughs> um, but Fatberg was great. General Wingster, Kilby really showed all the government and media corruption. Yes, it did. Definitely made it a lot easier to spot. Then I just visit out. How far are you into Babylon 5? I am still in the beginning of season three. I have not watched any of the last couple of days. Uh, I might try to pick that up on that in uh, beginning. Steven says, what's the point to talk to my ex? She cheated on me, bro. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Nothing to talk about at this point. Thanks for the advice as usual, though. Uh, well, first off, Steven, I will say this much. I hate, I hate, I hate the adage, once a cheater, always a cheater. I'm sorry. That is bunk. Because what that does is it denies the chance and the capacity that a human being has for change and for conversion. And I know I'm not, you know, if it sounds like I'm getting mad at you, I'm not getting mad at you. I, I just, I honestly, I cannot stand when people drone that nonsense. Because to me, anyone who says that is honestly just using that as cover because they don't want to actually step up and have the ability to offer forgiveness. Again, don't get me wrong. There are people out there who will cheat and will do so multiple times, right? Typically, they are dealing with a lot of things. When it comes to relationships especially, guess what? People don't want to admit this. People are uncomfortable with it. But a lot of people, especially guys, are struggling with addictions. And it's not drug addictions. Some do. 
But it's not that that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue, and this is something that triggers me like no other, the biggest issue that men especially deal with are addictions to pornography. If you want to know why the vast majority of the time relationships fall because you have men that are porn and sex addicts, period, end stop. And guess what? They can change, but until they and the people around them recognize that what they are consuming and what they are doing is a problem that they need to get help for, then nothing is going to change. But, even though the chance is high for someone to be a repeat offender, it's not a guarantee. So I'm not telling you or anyone else to throw yourself back into a relationship that's, that's fallen apart, because here's the thing, no one's going to change overnight. That is a fact. You're not going to find people changing every, you know, changing themselves completely overnight. That's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, th- that expression drives me nuts. The once a cheater, always a cheater. Because it denies their capacity to change. It denies the power of God's grace that can be in their lives. People can go through tremendous change. But they have got to desire it for themselves. And guess what? They're not going to desire it if you're not going to try and help them. That's why I've always been a big proponent of actually being in contact. I have only ever lost one friendship with a breakup. There's only been one time where I broke up with someone and we were no longer friends after. And we no longer communicated. I tried to reinstigate the friendship. I tried to keep the friendship going. It just didn't work out. There was, again, a lot of different stuff going on with that one. But every other relationship that I've had in my life, I have always been friends with the person after the fact. Even when I've made mistakes. Even when I was the one that that messed up, right? And it's so important to me to do that, though, because it reminds me, no, this is a person that has been in my life. This is a person that obviously meant something to me. And... If I'm just going to break this off and then we're just going to go our separate ways, all that tells me is, okay, was I just viewing and using them for physicality? Was I just viewing and using them uh, for for the just the innate desires that exist within? Was there not actually a friendship? Was there not actually a foundation of friendship there? And again, I know that's kind of going off on a tangent. I know that everyone's necessarily going to agree with it, but... I honestly think it's such an important thing for us to, uh, to to bring into the forefront and to talk a lot more openly about because it's something that it causes so much more problems and so much more tension in our society. One of the big reasons why our divorce rate in our country is so high, if you look in all of those cases, the vast majority of those cases, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find, in the case of the men in those relationships, sex and porn addictions. That is one of the that is one of, if not the biggest problem affecting marriages and relationships today. And a lot of it has to do with the media, a lot of it has to do with the internet, a lot of it has to do with the fact that also there are too many people out there that downplay these issues. I can't tell you how it drives me nuts when I hear people bro up and say, bro, it's just this, bro, I'm I'm not hurting anybody, bro. It's like, yeah, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting any other person that you're gonna get into a relationship with in the future. That's who you're hurting. Sorry, I'm going to get off my soapbox for a second. Hardwick, a man goals Logan has some subtle woke messaging. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to stop there, bro. <laughs> you always go off on those tangents. I just don't care. Lou Cabadona says, I thought the Flash was entertaining and refreshingly agenda-free. When will Hollywood understand that fans want escapism and fun to get away from modern problems? Here's the problem, though, is that, yes, Flash might be free from most overt woke messaging. The problem is, is that it's not a good movie. So when's Hollywood going to learn you got to make good movies? 
Because if, if The Flash was actually a good movie, it would not be having the massive drop-offs that it's having right now. Steven, uh, when you were a teen, did you always watch the MTV Movie Awards? Always love mini skit. My favorite one was Jack Black Spider-Man skit. I think I watched it a few times, but but not all that much. General Wingster just tagged Odin, 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 Odin. Orange hat, sharp as the axe. Did I hear the word spam? <laughs> we all know Odin is at least paid more than Ryan and Jeremy. <laughs> Green eggs and ham. I mean, I've cheated on Odin multiple times with Michelle from Force of Light. She's definitely prettier. <laughs> now, that is a fact. Yes. <laughs> that is indeed a fact. Oh, man, oh, man. Probably not Hardwick. Uh, I just don't have a whole lot to say about it. I, I thought, again, I already gave my general review on a previous stream. So if you want to see my thoughts on it, check out the last stream because I think it was the last stream where I gave a mini review on it. Let's see. King Kane Rumshki tried to say, once a cheater, always a cheater, unless they find God. Typically, that is the case. Tip typically, that is the, the changing point for sure. Um, I will be pouring a soda for myself, says King Kane Rumshki. Do you need anything, and will you be okay until I return? <laughs> just a water. Um, I'm straight edge, so so just a, just a water for me. All right, we'll go ahead and uh, jump back over to my, my chart real quick. Uh, to wrap things up, because I did focus on the uh, box office for Indiana Jones. So again, for those that missed it, the projections right now for Dial of Destiny are, are pretty abysmal. They did go on to try to, in my opinion, this is them trying to make excuses. It says, if the post-pandemic era has proved anything, it's that popcorn picks aren't so beholden to the Rotten Tomatoes barometer. The fact that they're insinuating any films are still beholden to the to the barometer is laughable. Jurassic World Dominion was shot down by film reviewers for all intents and purposes at 29%, but prevailed to a $145 million domestic opening. Doesn't mean the film was good. More recently, The Little Mermaid at 67% French, uh, French fresh saw a $118.8 million four-day start. Interesting, they don't mention what the all-audience score was for that movie. Dial of Destiny is now at a 65% versus its previous chapters, Raiders 93, Indiana Jones at 77, Glass Crusade at 84, Crystal Skull. This is also how you know critics are full of it. Crystal Skull's 77% fresh is the same percentage as Temple of Doom. Now, I'm not a big fan of Temple of Doom in the trilogy of films. It's my least favorite in the trilogy of films, but it's still good. I still enjoy it. Short Round's great. Amongst other things. But, oh boy. This is just insane. <laughs> this is just utterly insane. The amount of cope here. By the way, that outlook is for the three-day weekend, not the extended five-day of the Independence Day stretch, with the holiday falling on the last day. As a standard for July 4th, moving going in the United States slows due to festive activities, so don't expect much more money on that day. And again, this is something that we typically hear you know, it's weird how certain holidays this excuse comes in, whereas there's other holidays that will come in and they'll say, oh, it's going to make a lot more money. <laughs> I just, I can't. I can't. The it, It's just too ridiculous. But anyway, going into the actual numbers themselves, Disney has had a really, really bad year, okay? So let's go ahead and just break this down for a second, all right? So Elemental, all right? And again, we still have got Wish, The Marvels, and Dial of Destiny. Dial of Destiny, as I've already mentioned, is setting itself up to be another $200 million flop or so, all right? 
Let's look at Elemental though. Right now, Elemental has made $121 million. That means the film's loss for Disney is roughly between $227 and $267 million. What does that mean? This film's likely going to lose around $200 million when all is said and done. The Little Mermaid. This film has done a little bit better. However, at $499 million so far in its initial release, this movie is projected to lose somewhere between $75 and $125 million, most likely somewhere around the $100 million mark. So, again, you're starting to see a trend of several movies losing over $100 million. It gets a little bit better with a smaller film from 20th Century Studios owned by Disney, and that is The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman opened, right, opened to $20 million, cost only about $35 million, but still will end up losing for Disney around $17 to $24 million. So even though it's a smaller budget, and even though as a horror film, it should have been able to be marketed in a way to at least break even with a $35 million budget, they still dropped the ball on that one. You then jump to the only bright spot this year so far for them in Guardians 3, where with $831 million worldwide, they made around 123, uh, or rather between 73 and $123 million. So again, uh, decent numbers there, but when you look at the losses, it's, it's just night and day. Here's one that I found quite interesting though, all right? So do y'all remember Peter Pan and Wendy? Do y'all remember that that movie came out? Well, out of all of the movies, and look at this list, by the way, right here. These are all movies, and I don't even think these are all of them. These are movies that they have either released or that will be released that have no financial data attached to them. So I don't, I can't tell you how much Disney spent on them. But what I can say is that these are all on Disney Plus and Hulu, which means what? There's no upfront money that they're getting back in return for these projects. But there was one that I found interesting, and that was that Peter Pan and Wendy apparently cost, and here's here's the source for it, it cost, according to the Vancouver Sun, $170 million. So this is a Disney Plus movie that they spent $170 million on. If that had gotten a theatrical release, it would have needed to make between $425 and $510 to break even. However, it didn't get a theatrical release. So because there is no actual direct revenue stream coming in for that movie, I can I take that as just a pure loss. As just a pure loss at this point. So it's fascinating to me to to see that as a number. You then get to Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, Mania, Mania. And I know that there's some other people that have other metrics because of inside sources, but I don't have those sources. I just go based on what's being reported. So that means that for Quantum Mania, the setting up of the entire new phase of, of MCU, 14 to $54 million of financial losses for that movie. What does that mean? Right now, on the movies that have been released, of the ones that are up here, the studio, Disney, has lost between $465 and $686 million. And all of this is without accounting for all of the expenditures for these movies here that have either come out on their streaming service or have yet to come out. What I do know is that Chevalier did not make a lot of money. Crater on Disney Plus apparently had a budget of $50 million. 
So if all of these movies had between 20 and $100 million budgets, again, you're not getting direct revenue back on these projects. One could argue that this money's being paid out of the money they're getting in from their subscriptions, but we also know that Disney has been notorious for trying to double count things. For instance, they have said, well, hey, we're getting money on uh, sales. We're getting money on streaming sales when we put our movies on Disney+, Plus." when all that means is that they're paying themselves to host it, which does not actually count as money. That is funny money. All right, that's something that Valiant Renegade especially has done a very good job of trying to point out. But again, based on the numbers that have been reported and based off of typical standards, and I know that, again, Valiant Renegade has talked about how they've lost closer to $900 million. Based on the movies that have been reported with budgets, where we actually have financial data, the studio has lost $460 to $686 million so far this year. And keep in mind, Indiana Jones, this is set to be another $200 million flop. So now you're looking at what? The range jumping from about $600 to $800 million for the year? You add in the Marvels? I think the Marvels is probably going to end up doing Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantum Mania levels. We'll have to wait and see, of course. Then you have another situation there where, okay, you're adding in maybe financial losses. You could potentially see it to be as, you know, a, a fair loss, a not a terrible loss, but a fair loss, like an Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantum Mania, Mania, Mania. You could also end up seeing it be closer to something like Little Mermaid. Point is, there's actually a fair shot. There's a fair chance that Disney ends up at about a billion dollars of financial losses just from their movies in 2023 alone. What does that mean? They're in a lot of financial trouble. Now, I've also done a little bit of a chart breakdown for Warner Brothers as well because they're also in financial trouble. However, they have not had the crux and the majority of their movies getting released yet. Uh, so, so for instance, and actually I believe I've accidentally added this one by mistake. So let me go ahead and see if I can just, I think Magic Mike, um, Last Dance came out last year because I think I was thinking of, wait, no, never mind. Scratch that, reverse it. It came out this year. It did come out this year. Oh my goodness. How the time flies. So if you look into this, right, these are the films that have come out so far for, for them, right? With the latest one being Flash. So as you can see, not nearly as many movies have come out for Warner Brothers as compared to Disney. But they've got, look at all the films set to come out. And these are major releases. So whereas Disney does still have a couple of major releases left and is already major money in the tank, Warner Brothers has a good chance of being able to add even more <laughs> to its overall losses. So, for instance, they've got the Barbie movie. Remember, I've been warning about that one, and apparently now everyone's finally starting to talk about it because Kate McKinnon said something about it, and I'm here like, wait a minute, you waited for Kate McKinnon to say something? You could have just read the interview that Greta Gerwig did talking about how a teen psychology book that deals with self-image among young girls influenced part of the story for her movie. <laughs> but it's not feminist. So we'll see on that one. Again, who knows? It, it Because it costs $100 million, that might be its saving grace, but this film could end up losing money. Meg 2. I like the first Meg movie with Jason Statham. I did not want or need a second one. But hey, 
I don't think Warner Brothers has shown itself to really be that effective in getting people to go to see their movies. So I'm thinking that's going to be potentially a film that maybe makes money or not that much money. Blue Beetle, I think, is going to be a flop. $120 million is what the reported budget is at this point in time. However, no one knows who that person is. And everything around the MCU, or sorry, everything around the DCEU at this point is just trash. There's just no interest there. The Nun 2, sorry. Uh, the Nun 2 is coming out. You might make some money on that. They might make some money on that. Not much, but they might make some. Wonka, that's right. Wonka is scheduled to come out this year with Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Actually, Dune Part 2 also not coming out too long after that. That film costs $125 million in the film Wonka. That film needs to make well over $300 million to break even. So, yeah. Do you think Wonka's going to make a lot of money? I got some doubts about that. Dune Part 2, I really love Denis Villeneuve. I am excited for this movie. I also recognize I don't think the film's going to do much. So this could be yet another financial loss for them. You then got Aquaman Lost Kingdom. It's the best D- It's the best DC property they have to, to make anything, maybe? But this film costs $200 plus million, so it has to make between five and $600 million to break even. So I would say the chances are not very high. And then they got the color purple. Oh, they're going to make all their money back in Christmas with the color purple. As of right now, uh, Warner Brothers is looking at around 284 to $366 million in financial losses. So not nearly as bad as what Disney is. But again, they have not had as many releases as Disney has had up to this point. By the way, they did have a couple other releases that was not a lot of data for, but House Party was mostly viewed to be seen as a pretty big flop. We just don't know how much because they never reported a budget. They also made a film called Reality, which had a whopping $130,000 in the limited theatrical run that it had. Either way, they're in a lot of trouble. Disney in more trouble than anyone else, but oh boy, Disney has not made anything this year. One film, one film from them has actually made money. But it's not nearly enough to make up for the massive financial losses. I don't know what's going to do it for them. I don't know what's going to wake them up to the truth. But something's got to give. Something's got to give at some point in time. Right? And and after all that math, here is a nice little, a nice little puppy break for y'all as she is now curled up in a little ball. Uh, but we are over time tonight, so I'm just going to try to get through as many comments from people who have not been spamming questions tonight. Uh, Kili Chow, I agree with what you just said. I'm not uh, superhero fatigue. It's not superhero fatigue. It's mediocrity fatigue. Exactly. People, especially after the pandemic, are a lot more careful with their money. You need to have good movies coming out. Over, excuse me, over on Odyssey... Abomination says, sorry if I misheard, but I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes and they have Dial of Destiny at 66%, Temple of Doom still at 77%. I was going based off of what the article was saying, so if the article was incorrect, that would not surprise me all that well. Um, Yeah, Evil Dead. Evil Dead actually did do well for them. Yeah, it was the only... uh, Evil Dead Rise was the only profitable movie for for Warner Brothers so far this year. Um, because you got the flash right now, which is well over $200 million in financial losses based off of what's being reported. Again, I know there's rumors that it's going to lose $300 million, but we don't have actual verifiable data yet on that point. But yeah, Evil Dead Rise was the only profitable movie that Warner Brothers has had this year. So that's why they're both in very similar boats. I think Warner Brothers is in a better position to have maybe one or two more 
that could bring them money, but not by a whole lot. King and Rumsky, what makes more money, the Flash or the Marvels? Oh, boy. Well, since we don't know the numbers for the Marvels, I'm going to have to say the Marvels. But I'm not, I'm not very confident in that. So, uh, Stargoose, what's up? It's Odin, you're the man. Thank you, Stargoose. Appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amber's Chamber Pot. Don't Winkster, well, I've cheated on Odin enough. I'm heading to get some ice cream for the evening. Good night, Odin, everyone else. Ah, yeah, I just ran out of ice cream. But I do got some Oreos. So maybe some Oreos and some, some chocolate milk. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Gilly Chow, speaking of Jeremy and Ryan, I can't wait for football season because that means those two will be cussing and arguing with each other while talking about Tim Tebow every Sunday. Um, how is that different than everything that they do already? It just will be a change in subject matter. <laughs> and also, why would you want that on your Sunday? On the Lord's Day, why would you want to be listening to that? Uh, Luke Cappadona says, I think you lost your sponsorship from Reality Kings. <laughs> oh, be still my heart. Oh, I'm so sorry. Kili Chow, you being straight edge is the reason why you're the CM Punk of Geeks and Gamers. Uh, well, again, I definitely was... Uh, one of the reasons why I'm a fan of CM Punk is because I was like, oh, look, I see myself there just without all the tattoos. But we're, we're both straight edge. It's almost as if you can see yourself in a character even if you don't look like them. Who would have thought? Justin C., there's a very good chance. Based on the trends we're seeing right now, Justin, yes, there's a good chance they lose a billion dollars. Ichthulu, how much is Avatar 2 offsetting those losses? So again, that's just for this year specifically. I am probably going to try to do a 2022 breakdown because, yes, that's a major factor, Ichthulu. If we're talking about the last 12 months, uh, Avatar has a huge impact. But, caveat, it's not as much of an impact as some people might think. And the reason why is because, remember, Avatar 2 cost a lot more than what we were told. And that's not speculation on rumors and on inside sources. That's Mr. James Cameron himself indicating that, hey, when the movie had made X amount of money, we have not broken even yet. That's when I knew, okay, I don't need inside sources because it's the man himself telling me, oh, this movie costs a lot more than what they are telling us this film cost. Kimberly G, have a good night. Going to wrap things up here. Forever Sci-Fi. What's going on for sci Forever Sci-Fi? I think it's someone at Disney must be embezzling money through these movies and show budgets. I was listening earlier, uh, yesterday actually, to the um, the Force of Light Entertainment podcast. Check out the ladies at the Force of Light Entertainment. Michelle, as I said, did a huge favor for me doing a podcast for my Patreon subscribe star locals and YouTube members at the Army of Asgard Level and Above. You can check that out in the community section on YouTube and you know, all the other appropriate channels on the other sites. But uh, we actually, uh, she had Valiant Renegade, she and uh, Michelle, the Force of Light Entertainment ladies, <laughs> had on Valiant Renegade. My brain just completely shut down. I had a Gary moment there. And they had Valiant Renegade on. And one of the things that he mentioned, because that question was actually brought up or something similar to that was brought up, and the way he explained it made a lot of sense. Disney makes a lot of their films in California. Think about how expensive it is to do anything in California. Where if you look at Illumination, if you look at um, any of the other studios, uh, where do they put a lot of their work? A lot of it's actually offset in European nations, in European countries. So their budgets are a lot smaller probably because of where they make their movies. 
So that actually made a lot of sense to me that Disney costs so much because they've made everything centralized in, in California and California is garbage. Harvey says, Gregory also put production of Barbie on hold for a while so that Harry Neff, a man who thinks he's a woman, could make it into the movie playing one of the dolls. Yep. And that does not surprise me because I've been following Greta Gerwig's career for a while. And yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yes, the pupper cam break was indeed, absolutely. The, the, you always got to have that pup cam. Always got to have the pupper cam. But anyway, those are all of the comments that I am seeing where I have been tagged. Thank you all very much for sticking around. Uh, 41 people still watching. Thank y'all very much. I know that a bunch of people probably went over to watch to the Tuesday night's main event. They've been cutting into my time. All their streams were late at night, and now all of a sudden they're going more prime time with it. Patui, I spit at you. I'm kidding. Go check them out uh, and show them some love because, hey, we're all in this together. You're welcome. You're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. But yeah, this has been a lot of fun, everybody. And I really hope that you enjoyed the breakdown. The big news, of course, is that Indiana Jones Dial Destiny's opening weekend is projected to be pretty abysmal. $140 million worldwide, only 55 or so million, 60 to 65 million, I should say, domestically. That would put it on par with a lot of the other big budget films, box office openings that we've been seeing much more recently. And what that tells me is, in fact, actually, now that I have this in front of me right now, Shazam's opening weekend, global opening, was $65 million. Now, again, 65 versus 140 However, The Flashes was 130 And The Flash is looking itself to be a $200 million flop. And it costs $220 million, whereas Dial of Destiny costs 290 So you can see why... I'm looking at these numbers and saying I think 400, a little over 400 million dollars, uh, might be the end point for what you get out of Dial of Destiny, which again would be yet another massive financial flop, massive financial failure for them going forward. But I hope that you all enjoyed tonight's show, and just remember that whenever you need somebody to to be your hero when it comes to the box office, you you, you come to me, okay? I'm the guy that can break down the math for you and help you out. <laughs> so anyway, you guys have been all amazing and beautiful people. Tomorrow, there will not be a Good Morning Asgard podcast. No Good Morning Asgard podcast tomorrow. I got to do some yard work before the Chosen of Valhalla stream. Chosen of Valhalla stream will be tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time to 2 p.m. Eastern so a little earlier stream this month for that. So be on the lookout for that event link sometime tomorrow morning. After that, we, of course, got the Friday Night Tights. I will be having a video up sometime in the next day or two, hopefully tomorrow morning if I can, if I have the strength to do the box office preview for the weekend, breaking down those numbers for Indiana Jones Dial Destiny even further, and also to be able to get things set up for um, all the other stuff going on in in the future. My brain again shut down there for a second. I'm getting I'm getting too I'm getting too old for this. But thank you. Huge shout out to Orange Hat Reviews. Huge shout out as well to uh, to uh, lower the modding major general story for modding tonight for being great for the entire crew here. 
uh, everyone in the Asgardian family over on YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble, wherever it is. Seriously, you guys are all freaking amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. We'll go ahead and just uh, you know go ahead and say goodbye to to the puppies. And uh, let me see if I can actually figure this out real quick because uh, with that one, unfortunately, uh, the, no puppy in the, the chair uh, this evening. But because I do have a mobile phone, I can indeed make this one like that. So that way I can head back over. So that she gets into a very, very tight little ball. And it's adorable. It's absolutely adorable. So anyway, have a wonderful rest of your evening, everybody. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my June Patreon subscribe star and locals members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off first with Patreon, Father Luca Illich, Hymir Irie Hymason, Garrett Searles, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, you can check it over at his YouTube channel, Orange Hat Reviews, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check it at her YouTube channel of Eagle Rider, and Miss Martin Muses, who you can check it at her YouTube channel by the same name as well. Also to my subscribe star peeps, Matt317, check out his Twitch channel by the same name, Fast Reaction, The R, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and Man, who you can check out over at xtheboundaries.co. And lastly, to my locals members, Miss Minnesota hockey fan, how about a hockey player? J.H. Schwalbach and Robert Barnes, the amazing lawyer. And again, thank you all very much for being my supporters. If you want your name, shout out at the end of every live stream and every video. Check out the top link in the video description below. You also can get access to things like a giveaway channel where I give away Blu-rays, 4K steelbooks, all kinds of stuff every single, um, you know, every, you know, most weeks in the month, I try to give away something or at the very least towards the end of the month, I will make it up with several giveaways. Basically, most people are guaranteed to walk away with something. Uh, at the end of every single month. So if you want access to that, again, check out the top link in the video description below, as well as access to an exclusive podcast. This past month, I was actually able to record a uh, great podcast with Michelle from Force of Light Entertainment. So if you want access to that and also a plethora of other content, check out the link in the video description below. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.